0: From Hallmark Christmas movies to Academy Award-winning classics, great storytelling has always found a home in Connecticut. The state is a natural film set with a diverse wealth of locations, from private homes to public museums, factories to farms, historic towns to modern cityscapes. Filmmakers choose to work in our state because of the authenticity audiences want, along with the visual versatility, skilled resources, and tax incentives that they're looking for. Joining us today to talk about filmmaking in Connecticut are... Patricia Clark from 48-Hour Film Project New Haven, and Jonathan Black of Chair Tenant and Productions. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. The Municipal Voice is a Connecticut Conference of Municipalities podcast in collaboration with WNHH LP 103.5 FM. I'm your host, Matt Ford. As always, be sure to give us a like and let us know what you're thinking in the comments. CCM's municipal voice podcast continues to present a key forum on important state local issues. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the consensus views of CCM or member municipal leaders. Jonathan, Trish, thanks for joining us today. Nice thanks to see you. Yes. Uh Jonathan, so let's start with you today. You're not originally from Connecticut. Prior to coming here, you know, I think you're from Georgia originally, but you spent Ah, uh, 15 years out in California, working in the film industry in L.A. What brought you to Connecticut, and how does working in the film industry here, you know, in Connecticut and more broadly on the East Coast, compared to working in Hollywood?
1: Yeah, a great question. I have to say, you know, my heart was always tied to being in Los Angeles, and then I met a wonderful girl named Lauren Kalb um, and got engaged. Uh, she's originally from Newtown. Um, mm-hmm. She grew up in Newtown, went to Newtown High School, was a valedictorian, and her family's all here, and and she was in the industry, she's been in the industry for like 20-something years, she lived in LA as well, Mm -hmm. got married, had a kid, and we were just, you know, producing a lot, you know, I have roughly almost 50 films under my belt right now, Mm -hmm. and we were just, you know, she's been working on big shows, and then ironically, the pandemic happened, Mm -hmm. and when the pandemic happened, having a little kid, and then my wife is being pregnant, we're like, wait a minute, what state is really good, has, you know, decent credits, could be potentially a really good club mm-hmm. for us to bring our production services? And I said, you know what, let's go to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And she was like, what? I'm like, let's go to Connecticut. And so, you know, two and a half years ago, we sold our house and 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 moved out here. And I, you know, I have to say, it was a pretty big transition living mm-hmm. in Los Angeles and, and you know, uh, basically, you know, easy to walk into any of the major agencies or the major (laughs) studios or streamers. But here it's like, you know, I got New York, I've got New Jersey and Massachusetts. So it took a little bit trying to figure it all out. Um, Mm -hmm. Just just kind of let you know what we do is we run a production services company. So, you know, my thing is, is I have a great relationship with all the major streamers, uh, all the major uh, networks, and we're like, shoot in Connecticut, shoot Mm -hmm. here, it's a great state. You know, I've been here two and a half years, and, and I think it's a great state to to bring good business here. And um, come on, let's let's get it away from New Jersey, New York.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. So you did come out here, and you did start uh, something called Chair Ten Productions. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit more about Chair Ten?
1: Yeah, so Chair Ten Productions I was originally, you know, our production, you know, company in LA, and and we both looked at each other and go, my wife and I are like. We love logistics. Um, mm-hmm. I have a, a national signatory deal with IOTC, and I know all the unions. I have you know connections with all the major team uh, streamers and mm-hmm. uh, uh, major networks. So we're like, we just want to create a, a services company to basically provide accruing locations, support services, and all of that to mm-hmm. your players and TV shows specifically, um, major tentpole films, and try to get some bigger productions here. So that's what we do. We, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we just provide services and, you know, I I kind of got out of the producing world for a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I like the logistics side and it just, you know, I, I kind of want to help a lot of big producers and production companies come here and find great talent here because mm-hmm. there is a lot of great talent in the state.
0: So it was a change of kind of what you were doing, not just where you were doing it. Within the industry. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. My background has been producing everything from development finance to attaching talent to distribution um, to league producing. I mean, I've been all over the map. Um, and I just, my love was, you know, I, I had a line producing background, a uh, unit production management background, and I'd done over 40 national commercials in my, my career as well. And I, I just, I, I love helping crew. I love mm-hmm. helping people make great films and make great entertainment. Um, and I also have a family atmosphere of how I work so a Mm. lot of my clients love the fact that they're treated like family and so you know hey we brought the services company here and uh, have everything set up to really provide especially uh, larger productions that was my goal Mm. because that creates a lot of job opportunities and huge economic impact to Mm. the state.
0: Does the, the pace of Connecticut make it a little bit easier to kind of maintain that sort of family sort of feeling within a company?
2: I, I,
1: I, I yeah. Ironically, being in Connecticut, uh, it, it feels more like kind of laid back. Los it's Angeles, like everybody. everybody will tell you. You sit on the 101 or the 405 for two hours doing conference calls. Yeah. <laughs> At least if you're in traffic here, it's pretty, it's beautiful, but it, it's so spread out. And, and also the proximity to New York, I think mm-hmm. people feel like they still can go to the city. They can stretch their legs here and mm-hmm. the, the beauty of the state, the, the different landscapes, the natural like film set feel mm-hmm. is all over the state. And then on top of <laughs> that, there's a lot of great uh, vendors and a lot of great crew here.
0: Definitely. So Trish, uh, your path is a little bit different than Jonathan's. You are in fact a Connecticut native and you left Connecticut for a while after college and embarked on a career in film and television, uh, pick up an Emmy somewhere along the way there. And I know you were working with uh, things like VH1, uh, Rosie O'Donnell Show. Talk a little bit about like what that was like coming from Connecticut and going into, I'm assuming this was in New York. How did that all go?
3: Well, I mean, it really stemmed from college. So mm-hmm. I went to Marist College and uh, one of the things that they do when you're in the communications production field is get an internship wherever you want. Mm-hmm. And I said, I wanted to intern at MTV and they said, well, they're not making any shows right now. How about yeah. VH1? And that's where that relationship started. I started as an intern and then after I graduated, I moved to New York as soon as the next show was in production i got hired so mm. um i feel like it's almost like the older way of doing things whereas i worked from an intern up to pa mm. up to associate producer so you know segment producer and and learned all aspects of production and you know and kept trying different venues and as in like different you know upgrades on the mm. set and um and, and that's really what made me into a producer because i kind of got a little taste of all the different parts mm-hmm. of the cast and crew you know at, at vh1 a lot of that was behind the scenes making a legends or 100 greatest so it's a lot of putting the segments together and going through mm-hmm. clips and archives and then at rosie it was field production so it was out yeah. in the field you know so you know i've done all of that and then some indie films and indie series and stuff and but as as Jonathan was saying, I do think uh, New York and L.A. are different paces yeah. than Connecticut, for sure. It's, you know, not everybody wants to work at that pace for that mm-hmm. long, you know, yeah. or you want to do it and never leave. So, you know, it's <laughs> kind of one or the other.
0: So for you, the the kind of going in to New York rather than L.A. was kind of a function of where you went to school and that you already had that foot in the door from college with some of the, the New York scene, as it was.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of this industry is who, you know, Mm -hmm. and I mean, that's in fact, even how I got the job from Rosie uh, it was a lot of people who worked at Viacom. So MTV, Mm -hmm. Nickelodeon, VH1 got hired to start that talk show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I literally took, someone else's job. Like he was leaving. They didn't, you know, put out that they needed a new associate producer. He just someone said, there said, I'm, I know
0: someone and got Trish on the phone. Yeah,
3: Trish, I'm leaving. Come interview. You'll get the job tomorrow. You know, yeah. that's
0: uh, how, how it works a lot of times. Yeah,
3: it's how it works a lot of times. Yeah.
0: So then after that time working in that industry, you kind of became involved with uh, events and nonprofit doing that sort yeah. of stuff. How did, how did that come about?
3: I, I mean really it came about because I, I moved back to Connecticut. I was mm-hmm. a young single mother and mm-hmm. I got a job with arts, you know, at this time I was arts and ideas started. Mm-hmm. Um and then
0: here here in New Haven, the here are. in New okay. Haven.
3: Uh and then Long Wharf Theater, the public library. So I would do and leap, I would help do their fundraising events. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you know, similar to Jonathan, like everything in the arts needs. Uh, development and fundraising, mm-hmm. so you have to do like parties, get the money to come in. Um, so really, I've worked with almost every New Haven nonprofit arts organization mm-hmm.
2: okay.
0: well, which is which is important and it's a big part of this because you know uh, just love of film stuff isn't all of this required for what you know either one of you do, you know um you have to have some knowledge. And in your case, it's, it's event planning. In your case, it's production, but there's, there's a whole lot of things to this industry beyond just, you know, the, the, the glamorous side that a lot of people necessarily focus on.
3: There's a lot uh, of work before you get to the there's glamour. There's
0: a lot of work before the glamour. So Jonathan, uh, on April 19th, you had the inaugural meeting of the uh, Connecticut Film and TV Alliance, which was a new organization whose mission is strengthening the state's attractiveness and vitality as a production hub for film and television. How did you become involved with uh, this organization?
1: You know, that's a great question because I, as I got here, I was like, I talked to a lot of my clients. They're like, you need infrastructure. You know, where's the crew? Where's the support? You know, is there sound stages? And, you know, you need to bring the whole state together. That was actually one of the recommendations from one of my clients was, mm-hmm. I don't see the cohesiveness of the state. And they're like, well, wait a minute, I got to also want to fight for the tax credit. So yeah. I was like, why don't I just kind of brainstorm? And I came up with this idea of the alliances, pulling the entire state together, you know, everywhere from, you know, Mystic to down to Greenwich, to New Haven, up to, you know, New Milford, wherever, mm-hmm. and bring everyone together. Because it's it's that's how you build the infrastructure. That's how mm-hmm. you build a community that not only supports a better tax credit or a better situation, but also help builds on training, development, education. You know more job opportunities, and then we build a crew, and then we can obviously bring in bigger business, more job opportunities, and the last but not least is the retention from the university systems Mm -hmm. to work with the universities to try to figure out, you know, they all go to New York or LA or Georgia or somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Why don't they stay in the state? So this alliance really kind of started out to just help try to build infrastructure and it's exploded. I mean, we've had three big events Mm -hmm. um, and we're already forming committees, specific committees. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just excited about the, the overwhelming support and, and everything bringing the whole state together.
0: Now, one uh, topic that's always of interest to us here at CCM are taxes um, and legislation. And uh, your organization was supportive of uh, House Bill 6929. It was a bill designed to raise Connecticut's film and digital media production tax credits from, I think, 30 to 37 percent. And it made it out of the General Assembly Committee and was headed for a vote, but it didn't end up passing. But there was uh, an increase in the value of the existing credit. How did the tax credit affect? working that industry here? And why are you supportive of these tax credits as an organization?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm from Atlanta. So I saw Atlanta go through before the credit was passed and then Mm -hmm. after the credit was passed. Um, So I kind of saw exactly what they did. And I said, you know what, we can try to mirror that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, so I looked at New Jersey's credit. Um, As you guys might know, in about six years ago, New Jersey didn't have a tax credit. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they passed it up to 37%, there was a huge explosion of production. Massive amount of production there, tripling the amount, quadrupling the amount. Now they have massive sound stages. They have a big, you know, decent infrastructure now. And then I looked at New York and I was like, they're struggling. There's some issues with New York's credit. And I said, well, here's what we got to do. So we obviously, uh, working with former Speaker of the House, Jim Amon um, cool. and Michael Rell, his partner, which you know, uh, his mom was Governor Rell we just came up with the idea of working with the finance committee to take a look at what these tax credits really can and can't do um we were advocating um to make the credit up to 37% we want to make it mm-hmm. competitive we didn't want to lose business to new jersey or massachusetts or new york or, or georgia and we talked and talked to the finance committee with senator funferra you know and, and chairwoman horn and there was some language written in there about the transfer rate uh, which is the back end of the credit um mm-hmm. and they had tried to pass this legislation a few year a few years ago, and last year, and it just didn't make it out of committee. So we yeah. just took that and said, "Listen, we're going to fight for whatever we can get." Um, so we were excited that there was a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. We were excited that there is interest. The probably the misnomer that we're dealing with was the um, reporting of the economic impact. You know what is the real economic impact what is the waterfall effect what is when we bring a, a 10 million dollar or 50 million dollar production to the state how does that affect the general population and how does it affect the, you know the spread of the tax credits and the tax burden and so at the end of this you know conversation you know uh, got to give a lot of credit out to uh, Maria Horn representative Horn she fought for whatever she could hang on to. And she said, listen, we think that there's some value to this. So we mm-hmm. were able to get a small win with uh, for the back-end transfer credit. What that does is it allows current stakeholders or mm-hmm. companies that have a tax liability and a tax burden in the state um, to also have, if they have an ownership in that and then ownership in the production, they can get a transfer credit up to 92%. Yeah, So it really helps the current, you know, um, uh, companies, but what it also does, and we're excited about this opportunity is stakeholders like Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, that have obviously a big operation here, you know, on the, the non-studio film side, mm-hmm. they could be looking at this as an opportunity. Um, NBC mm-hmm. universal, uh, obviously universal, universal, uh, uh, productions, and, uh, it, we could get maybe a movie or television show, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. So it is a small win. The other mm-hmm. thing that, Without came out of all this, it got signed by the governor. So we were great. We snuck some legislation there. Got to give it to, some to Maria Horn and her staff. But she you know, got it in, and we have uh, also reporting, uh, more reporting, more uh, aggressive reporting to figure out how we can uh, make the tax credit more effective. And mm. then also looking at putting a task force together to bring everyone together to discuss the you know the the pros and cons and how yeah. we can make it more effective and more um, essentially uh, better for everyone across the board. So I feel like we got a I think we got a good win. It's a good mm-hmm. start. I mean, we we started this press conference in early, mid to late February, mm-hmm. and now we're at the end of the session, and we did get some legislation passed. So hey, you you got to take it. You got to take it. So one yeah. for the team, but we, we did something good.
0: Yeah. And Trish, do you hear, what do you hear from filmmakers coming to Connecticut about the tax credits? Is that something that you hear as some of it does kind of bring some of the business to the state?
3: I mean, I don't hear as much of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's because I'm more with the lower budget and indie Mm -hmm. films and, you know, and groups. And so it's not like they feel it doesn't really do much for them. It's Mm -hmm. more for the bigger productions And I think that's something that the cast and crews that I deal with, that's what they want to see. They want to see it a little more widespread to be for the indie filmmaker, to be something that maybe they can understand a little bit easier because, Mm -hmm. you know, I I mean, my day job is working for the government. I, there's a lot of legalese that the general public does not understand and does not really get that like, well, okay, so this is a tax credit, but it's coming back through someone else in this channel and that, like, you know, they, they just wanted to work for their production.
1: I have some good news. And Sorry, Trish. I have some good news. Sorry to interrupt you. So one of the things that some people have been talking to me about helping independent film is, you know, how you have to spend a million dollars to get the 30%. Mm-hmm. You know, there is some opportunity. Maybe we can lower that down to $500,000 to get the 30%. So that entices you know feeds into that you know indie side because the indie side you know really builds up the opportunity for larger productions. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's something I would like to you know look into more. So that was well, something I that we you were it... hoping
0: to get but didn't end up and uh, was that in the, the house bill there that you, you were hoping
1: to get no it, it was something that has been uh, discussed like Trish that I' you know that, that have brought this to my attention and you know how can we support local independent filmmakers? And mm-hmm. so I definitely want to figure that out. And I think you know, dropping the minimum to five hundred thousand maybe might be a way to do it. There's other avenues to do it, but you know, Trisha's got a good point. Uh, you know, I, we need to support the local guys that are producing some great content. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, you know, at the lower levels, and that helps helps create an opportunity for them to you know support larger productions too and, yeah. and move up the ladder, so to speak. Yeah, well, And is- not
3: like they get to do that. And, you know, you were talking about training and mm-hmm. we, you know, as you were not in Connecticut, you didn't know that we had a Connecticut training program right. for years that, you know, worked pretty well with certain colleges and industries. But then, you know, if that professor left or if that wasn't in the state budget to help them fund that year, it kind of went away. And that was really training for you know, all the positions on a crew, which was great, and now it's turned into more of um, digital media training because now everybody, you know, if you have a phone, you can be a filmmaker.
2: Right.
3: You know, honestly, like that's, it's kind of turned into that. A lot of people have tried to bring back the Connecticut training program. A lot of people have, you know, I'm sure you're already finding out that there are a lot of little groups in Connecticut, yep. this film group, and we're strong here, but we don't know the people on the other side of the state. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, I think something that you've, you know, in a short time been successful with already with the Alliance is kind of trying to bridge that gap and actually just concentrate on like, well, if we work at the state level and can get these changes made, this is going to help everybody. This is going to Mm -hmm. help the state. And I think that's really important to like say that this will help the indie level as well as the features. And this may bring in like a big, you know, TV show, which would be Mm -hmm. great because we've got the crew that can do it. You don't have to truck them in from New York.
1: I I will say the great thing is we do have an educational committee. We've also been in contact with Heather. Um, She's over the digital film and media for uh, UConn. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've also been uh, speaking to uh, the Connecticut Digital Media um, Organization. So the work with all the universities, the, the idea is to look at retention problems, because this is mm-hmm. something there's a lot of billions of dollars into these you know, university systems. The other thing that we also know is that educational program, it's dormant, but it is not tied directly to the tax credit legislation. It's right. something mm-hmm. different. So we have been discussing um, with former Speaker Eamon and uh, uh, Michael Rell about trying to bring that back with working with the university, university systems. Yeah. Also, I've been working with uh the local unions below the line to bring some quality, you know, seasoned veterans to teach, um to get certifications and things like that. So, trisha has got a good point. That there is there was there was such a great opportunity and it kind of died and dwindled out a bit. So, we got to mm-hmm. we got to recapture that flame because yeah. there's yeah. a lot of great talent here. <laughs>
0: You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WHH 103.5 FM. And talking about some of those education programs, uh, you know, are there other things other than tax incentives that you see that you know, municipal or state leaders could be doing to help the industry?
1: Yes, and one of the things, and this is why it's so important working with CCM and, and you guys is making a certification program or a program of certi- making the communities film friendly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these mayors, first elect men, they want productions there, but they don't know what is a location manager, what is a location scale, how do I do permits? How do right. I handle if somebody wants to close a street down? What if they're gonna burn down a Christmas tree in yeah. the middle of the lawn? You know, the fire department's gonna be involved. You know, it's but these towns love it. It's something fun for them. And and they also get the economic impact of that. So I yeah. really want to say. Can we create an organization that supports this sort of training of these municipalities mm-hmm. about being a film friendly community, and uh, you know, and, and also making money off the permitting and and understanding how to get productions there, yeah. um, like in New Milford, Danbury, Bridgeport, or some great towns um, mm-hmm. that have really you know been wanting productions to come to their their community?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I grew up in New Milford. I remember, you know, uh, I think it was when I was in college, uh, Adam Sandler did Mr. Deeds there, and it was a big deal, and everybody was trying to be an extra and all that kind of stuff. So,
3: and it would be great to have that at the different levels, though. Again, too, because like how the city of New Haven arts, culture, and tourism supports the 48 over the weekend is for the teams; they'll waive the filmmaking permit that's just right. so they can film in New Haven at parks or whatever. But you know, I'm also very clear: you let you have a permit. But if the police or fire department come, do not waive that permit. And it's like, that's not gonna help you necessarily if yeah. you're doing something you know, s- sketchy. But I mean, a, a lot of even indie filmmakers won't even go for the permit. They'll just go around it. There's so much guerrilla and, and it shouldn't, it should be, as you're saying, it should be friendly and work together and, and just be like, if you just have this, then we can help you make it even better because like, now we can help you contact the police. We can help you block this street, even if it's just for a couple hours. You know, I mean, we've had, you know, I mean, we've had Indiana Jones film here, but we've also had the Hallmark movie that would just block down, you know, a couple blocks. All Chapel Street, all, you know, downtown New Haven, the biggest spots that you can get. But, you know, having the permit, talking to the actual locals that, (laughs) you know, can make it happen officially and appropriately, is is really important and and it shouldn't be something that scares the filmmakers away from doing it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. make it easier for, for filmmakers to do things the right way
1: right yeah Yeah. well and and also there's a lot of support staff things things like you know hey i need a local restaurant i by the way i need a place that can make 100 pizzas (laughs) you know where's the local food truck by the way you know i need a local dry cleaners i need help with this is what the chamber of commerce are important too Mm -hmm. so there is a very strong symbiotic relationship to production and to local communities and i've noticed for example, Mayor Pete New Milford, um, you know Mayor Esposito and Dan Barry, working with both of them, they're fantastic. They're like mm-hmm. open arms, and what they are, what this is sort of helping everyone is outside of the state. People are starting to hear, oh, this is there's a great community support, mm-hmm. so they feel like. They're welcomed there because let me tell you, living in Los Angeles, getting a film LA permit is like pulling teeth out of, you know, it's 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 hard and it's very difficult. In New York, I know you, you have to have a bunch of parking PAs to shut down a street and it's thousands and thousands of dollars, and yeah. it's very difficult. So we wanna make our process easy. Why? Because mm-hmm. it goes, the money goes back to the local community. And a lot of times, like if we film in a coffee shop, well, we might pay to rent that coffee shop out for the day and buy a bunch of coffee from them anyway. So it's like yeah. huge economic impact. So I, I think there is a strong symbiotic relationship between yeah. the local mis- uh, municipalities and the local filmmakers, and even outside of the state to bring in to show showcase, you know, Connecticut's a great place to come.
0: Yeah, when we talk about the economic impact, what kind of numbers are we talking about in Connecticut, like how much money does. The industry bring to the state do you have any sort of studies that have figured that out
1: yeah so you have to look at it from two separate ends of this one mm-hmm. end is the current stakeholders which would be the espn wwe uh you know nbc sports all that yeah. all that's boys, strong yeah. that's mm-hmm. obviously you know you know can be billions of dollars over the last 10 years yeah. then totally. there's the feature film and smaller television stuff that has come in and out back and forth um mm-hmm. reaching you know anywhere from probably the last 10 years you know I'm, I'm not sure exactly the number, but it's in the millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you an average production could easily spend $50,000 a day mm-hmm. um, on the, uh, and even up to $100,000 a day. And even sometimes spend only $5,000 a day. But that money is spent in the local communities. um, And I think, the reporting is not showing like if I put out my actors in a hotel, right? Well, I have to pay hotel tax. Mm -hmm. I rent the hotel. And by the way, they're going to probably get room service. So that's going to be, and then they're going to tip the, the, the people coming in. And then best guess what they're probably going to want to go down to the local bar on Friday and have a drink because they're trying to relax. So there's all of this stuff that I think needs to be more evaluated and Mm -hmm. correctly to show the true economic impact because our opposition, been opposite, the pushing back on this credit, they're only looking at the job creation, the taxes that these people are paying, and uh, the secondary job market, and mm-hmm. then what they're paying. They're not looking at, wow, what about uh, property tax that homeowners are paying because we rented out a house for five weeks? What mm-hmm. about property tax that ESPN's paying on their property? What about the permits? What about a higher policeman and fireman and I pay for their hours to be on the street to help us out. What does yeah. that mean go? So you, you start to see, right. It's mm-hmm. that's the, in the weeds reporting. And I think that's the exciting part because a lot of these local um, uh, communities really want that support.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting, uh, Jonathan, you mentioned, you know, uh, ESPN, uh, the WW where they, where they are the wrestling um, and all that kind of stuff, you know, we talk about bringing stuff into Connecticut, but there was already some big players in Connecticut. And Trish, you might've seen more of this being around here longer. Like, do you see having those kind of bigger players in the state? Like, do you see a lot of people who work there than going to other aspects of the industry? Like I know personally, I've known a few people who are editors or filmmakers who at some point were cutting, you know, sports footage for ESPN and that's how they learned how to edit. Like just yeah. having those in the state kind of, generate a base level of sort of skill and talent?
3: I mean, I think so. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, I mean, I wish there was more of it, but again, it's a lot of like, who, you know? And so like, I mean, I know like this group that is at ESPN, which, you know, unfortunately has gone through a lot of layoffs the last few years, Mm -hmm. there's always jobs posting for WWE and um, like NBC universal, like Stanford, like, so there's pockets of, Mm -hmm. of where it is. And, I do think a lot of those maybe start out with Connecticut College students that then will start there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe they are interning there and working their way in, or maybe that's their, you know, avenue in. But a lot I, of these, if once they get in, they really like it. Like, I mean, and for example, if you're at ESPN, that means you're part of Disney.
2: Yeah.
1: So
3: maybe you can move on to a you know. <laughs> yeah, a Disney again.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. I talk about the production here you know my wife's done a lot of reality tv and she got hired by lucky eight um which does a lot of the food that built america the booze bets and sex that built america that they're doing shark week she's working on a shark week show for Mm -hmm. them now and they're in stanford i mean you know yeah you know it's there so there's a lot of production it's just not it's in one area or one or a couple of facets Mm -hmm. and what i can tell you in talking to a lot of these universities You'll have students that will study film and television, and they want to do, you know, an HBO TV series. They want to work on, they want to do a big feature film, or they want to hire, you know, Nicolas Cage or something, Mm -hmm. right? And those kind of productions are not really well supported here. Now, outside of the state, like if you go to New York or Atlanta or, you know, LA, there's a lot more of that. Um, So I think the cool thing is, I think what Trish is doing with the 48-hour film festival, and I think with a lot of the other entities that are all over the state they're fighting really hard to say listen we've got great talent here and so we just need to kind of support that and i think sort of coming together all of us and doing, the, doing this podcast and talking to your you know your audience is extremely important for letting them know gosh you know how cool is it to watch tv on a friday night with your family and go wait a minute yeah. you know that that's new haven or that's like you know weathersford or you know it's yeah. like you know bridgeport it, it's kind of cool it, yeah. you know from a just a regular movie goer or you know people that like to watch you know movies so
0: yeah it is very cool uh so trish tell me about how you came to run 48 hours in new haven and how the uh project came to new haven well
3: so the 48 hour film project is been around for 22 years mm-hmm. worldwide. In you know about 130. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big stars. worldwide
0: event. It's not just in New Haven. You. It's you not just the, in New, New Haven. Haven.
2: Yeah.
3: One. It's you know it, it fluctuates between like 130, 150 cities mm-hmm. around the globe, and teams of filmmakers sign up to make their film in 48 hours. Hence, they, hence the name.
0: Uh, so they they have to. Hence, hence the name. Write, shoot. Write, edit. shoot,
3: direct, edit,
0: and hand in a short film to you. 40 hours from when they find out what they're doing
3: yeah and you know uh, how i found out about it is a friend of mine was acting in one in cleveland and he's Mm -hmm. like well i know you're not in new york anymore but you still want to do production maybe you should do this in connecticut and Mm
2: uh
3: when i looked them up and started to follow them on the newsletter they're like oh we're we're looking maybe hartford connecticut And so I contacted them and I said, I I believe there's a typo there. And you meant New Haven because New Haven is the (laughs) arts capital of Connecticut. And uh, I convinced them that I was right Mm. and they hired me. So that's this is now year 13 for New Haven Mm -hmm. doing the 48. And um, yeah, the teams get a random film genre on Friday night. They get a specific character prop and line of dialogue. On Friday night, so that ensures that they will okay. make the film over the 48 and, hours. And
0: every one of the the people in the thing this year have to use that same character name, same prop, yeah. and same line has to show up somewhere in theirs. So no matter whatever yeah. they end up writing, they have to work that in. It's yeah. kind of it like has little... to
3: it has to work in to the film. If not, you're disqualified.
0: And, but we'll um, screen everything, whether yes. it's you know. And it, do you think was that originally part of that? I mean, it's fun to see how people work it in, but is that also sort of way to make sure that everyone is in fact uh, filming it when they're supposed to be and not trying to sneak one in ahead of time? You think one hundred percent
3: part of yeah. filming it over the weekend <laughs> because you you can't you don't know beforehand, and and that's part of it too that you have to write the script, which I think you know. I mean, you you've taken part. You know, most people write the scripts on on Friday night till the wee hours, and then they start filming on Saturday. And you can have an idea. There's you know, 35 film genres to choose from that you might get. So you can, you know, try to formulate some ideas, but then you have to get film in, you know, fix in the, you know, the elements. Like, and last year, their part, uh, or the character was like a podiatrist.
2: Okay, (laughs) I had no idea
3: I'd have so many films about death and feet. Obviously I knew (laughs) the feet part, but (laughs) didn't know that meant so much death. You should have seen the feet coming. I'm
0: just saying from that first, year to now how has 48 in new haven grown
3: well i mean the first year i had like two months to plan the whole thing mm-hmm. and i had nine teams
2: okay and
3: i was screening at um the the whitney screening center at, at yale
0: mm-hmm.
3: and now i get close to 40 teams every year i do get teams from all over new england all over mm-hmm. anywhere, because Anyone so can do it. Who, if they want as, to do it, they don't have to be from New Haven. You don't Haven have to be in New Haven, although I make a special award for someone who has the best New Haven shot because I like to highlight New okay. Haven. But um, but you don't have to shoot in New Haven. But now I get close to 40 teams and we screen at the Bijou, which is a beautiful, fantastic venue in Bridgeport. Um and it's great because you're you're filming something, you're having fun, hopefully, <laughs> with your friends. Yeah. And then you get to see it on a big screen. Yeah. And a lot of these indie filmmakers, this may be the only thing they see on the big screen, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, or or the first time at least. Yeah, exactly. And
3: I mean, I have had teams that have moved on and done bigger and better things. Um, Two of the winning films from New Haven have gone on to screen at the Cannes Film Festival.
0: Oh, that's very cool. So from New Haven, the winner of that goes on to the national.
3: Kind of because, I mean, we're international, but yeah. It's, Filmapalooza is all of the city winners competing against each other for the same
0: For the the entire, all the international ones come together at Filmapalooza.
3: Yeah. Haven in New
0: York, all come together at Filmapalooza and...
3: Every, yeah, every uh, winner comes in, because every city has their own awards for best film, best actor, best, you know, cinematography. mm -hmm. But then Filmapalooza is all of the city winners competing at that level again. And um, about a dozen of those... This year, now about 25 of those will then go on to screen it at the Shorts corner at Cannes.
0: Very, very cool. Yeah. The international thing, but as we're discussing here, it's pretty much run on a city-to-city basis. Yeah. So how important is it for an event like this to have support from the city that you're in and also you know, other organizations within the community?
3: The more sponsorships and support, the better. Period. Yeah. You know, and you know, I like to get as I mentioned about the film waiver from New Haven. We get support from the state office of um, film, television, and digital media every year, and you know, a big support of that is word of mouth, just to get you know more people interested, more people filming. Yeah. But the the more you can get, the better, because you know, as you're saying, if well, if this sponsor is you know a a friend. To the film crew maybe we can get some food maybe we can get the pizza maybe we can get the location that we're shooting for and i can't stress it enough the more support the better and we yeah. can see i can see the international films from the 48 mm-hmm. other governments are way more supportive than ours of the arts
0: yeah in those things at the end you see supported by the film of quebec or whatever yeah. oh
3: yeah all the credits like they have all this stuff and they're like oh yeah we they just gave us this red camera for free to film it yeah you know our our people are renting it our people are weekend warriors you can see the quality level when you get that support is much higher and i mean i i wish we had that in you know in connecticut i wish we had that in the states period Mm -hmm. i think that's like nationwide that it's the arts have um, slipped away to the wayside for a lot of
0: unfortunately yeah
3: unfortunately yeah
0: yeah You are listening to the Municipal Voice on WHH one hundred three point five FM. Hey, Jonathan, do you think are yeah. events like this important to the community? To like, yeah, you know, community? here is
1: the thing. Is not only is it important, there's a lot of proof of concepts. There's a lot of people that will take these and grow it into a bigger feature or Mm -hmm. two. And it's also part of this is, you know, how we all have a resume, right? Mm -hmm. This kind of situation that Trish is talking about also helps people, you know, build their reel and build. Mm -hmm. folio and and giving opportunity for filmmakers to make something you know really cool that they can showcase their talent which helps them get hired in other places so Mm -hmm. so there's a huge need for this but I also agree with Trish that there is the the arts of slipping and and you know I think we we have to figure that out because i think the arts and the hearts and humanities are what keep a people sane <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like during the pandemic sorry but i don't know how much disney i watched but i watched a lot of disney films <laughs> I mean, and it was because i was trying to get my kids happy right yeah. you know um so i think there is a, a social network need um and i think it's a massive impact and i don't think we're just talking about economic either yeah i think just overall good morale and people excited you know like they get to showcase a film I would imagine Trisha could tell you when they get to see their film on a big screen it's it, it's pretty cool experience um, okay. I know I went to my one of my first premieres when I um, you know film I produced and I was like this is so cool you know seeing it on the big screen so it's cool yeah
3: and like our teams like love you know again love seeing the films love having the Q&A and we're a very supportive film community and creative mm-hmm. community in Connecticut. And the films can go on to, and go to other film festivals and, you know, they can keep spreading it around. And um, as you mentioned, Sundance, one of our winning films tweaked his 48 after he did it, submitted it to Sundance and became a Sundance fellow. Yeah. Of course, then moved to LA after that. And, you know, never came <laughs> yeah, back to I Connecticut did. again, but, well, but I think that's you, the thing.
1: I don't think people understand it. You can get an Academy work for shorts. Like absolutely, the, I, people have no idea. I'm like, th- th- there's a whole world out there of shorts um, yeah. and th- th- that are fantastic. I mean, just like blow you away. So it's it's a cool, yeah. it's a cool thing. There and, are some uh,
3: great short film festivals that just yeah, the the quality is amazing. It's fantastic to see.
0: Yeah, and talking about the building of community, not everyone comes to uh, something like this with their team and already put together, right? Like. Some people are actually meeting other people within the industry. It might be, you know, their intro to some of these people. Yeah. It's I mean, I think the 48 is a
3: great spot. I, I have a lot of, you know, meet and greet events to try to pair people up so they can mm-hmm. join a team. But I, I mean, I'm a big advocate of saying this is a great way to test out if you can work with somebody again mm-hmm. or if you want to, you know, continue to be a partner with them. It's also a great way to try different aspects of the production because you know as I said in growing up in the industry like I learned all the different aspects so I can you know I'm the producer I'm behind the scenes Mm -hmm. but I can pick up the boom mic if I need to and you know be the audio person so oh you know filming over the weekends you know for 48 Mm -hmm. is a good testing ground and, you know, and yes, you can redo it and, and make something better. Some people have made features from what they've mm-hmm. done with the 48. But I, I mean, I think it's a great way to to help train people. And that's, we mm-hmm. can have a team of two people, or we could have a team of 40 or 50. So mm-hmm. if you have 40 or 50, you're giving someone that experience and that training to move on and to like get an, a new handle on something in the production.
0: Trish, you mentioned, you know, some meet and greets and stuff. So it's not just the one weekend of the 48 filming that that you're doing stuff there's other events leading up to it.
3: Oh yeah, I have events leading up to it starting around February, even mm-hmm. though our filming weekend is the last weekend of July and we so, screened in August. And so it might be you know a happy hour mm-hmm. where you can you know mix and mingle or something at the coffee shop because mm-hmm. I do have people from age 10 to age 80 that mm-hmm. take parts. you know it's a wide range. Um, we do workshops like uh, last night's workshop on sound was at ETV, East Haven Public Television.
2: Okay.
3: Um, so we, you know, I try to spread them out every, you know, every couple of weeks or so, do something um, as well as there's certainly all social media and, and aspects. But I mean, part of it is you you want to see if you get along with someone, you know, mm over some cheese and
0: crackers (laughs) before you you sign up to do a intense 48 hour experience
1: i I would say it's got it's like a marriage i mean it's family i mean i I, it is a family when you're when you're you're elbow to elbow with somebody it can change the dynamic of how you work with people
0: yeah and and some some of these teams work together year after year too so
3: so yeah some teams come back and it's year to year sometimes it's their first part but like even if it's just the weekend or if it's a, a month or two months on a bigger set, like your set is your family. Like yeah. you do get very close to people very fast. So yeah. you, you want to make sure they're nice <laughs> and agreeable to work with. Right.
0: <laughs> um, so all those events and the pretty itself. if someone wants to learn about that or, you know, how they can become involved or just what the schedule is, where should they learn about all that? website so, and stuff
3: uh we you know we are on social media you know, Facebook Instagram Twitter but the main thing is the 48hour film project website itself mm-hmm. which is just um, you know www48hourfilm.com if you mm-hmm. backslash New Haven you'll go right to our page
0: okay but, but if that, you just so that's go for to the, the main... whole big international thing.
3: Yeah. So if you go to the whole main 48 page, it will show you, you know, all the cities, mm-hmm. all the weekends. Uh, I think there's like six on our weekend as well. Like we're not mm-hmm. the only one on our weekend, but we will be, you know, they will have their own required elements. All six cities won't have the same required yeah. elements. But um, on the website, it has all of our events in one spot and you can click mm-hmm. to RSVP to anything. That's where you go to sign up your team. Mm-hmm. You just need one person to sign off the team. You okay. can make your cast and crew later. Um, and that has all the rules because a lot of film, a lot of paperwork. We have to have permission for every location, every piece of music, every you know actor. So all, all of the rules, regulations, requirements, and paperwork are on the website. So you can really tool around there.
2: Yeah, and, read them and ahead a, of time.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, you have to read it ahead of time for sure. Please, and please, he, please. You can also see some of great, great 48s that have already been made. I mean, Mm. you can just do 48 hour film project on YouTube and you'll get a a ton. I mean, there is a page, but, but um, you can see films from your city. You can see films from around the world that have gotten, gotten, you know, accolades and gone to Mm -hmm. Cannes. Um, And it's great. Like you'll be amazed at what people can do in 48 hours.
0: Yeah. So uh what's the schedule looking like for this year? Like when should people sign up by when are they actually going to be filming? And then when would we be able to see some of these?
3: Uh you can sign up now. Which which, would okay, you can sign up
0: already. Okay. So you then can we're sign up the already.
3: The okay. sign up started in May. Right now we're still in our early bird registration. And uh that rate will go up on Saturday, July eighth. We'll be in regular registration. And then for the last week and a half, it's late registration. Okay. But you can sign right up till kickoff you can show up at kickoff at which will be at armada brewing in new haven on uh friday july 28th okay you'll still have to register online but that's okay yeah,
0: where's, but, armada? Um, hmm? where's armada brewing
3: it's in new haven it's down okay. by the river oh
0: and over like fair haven it's the one where...
3: yeah okay and um so you can sign up and join a team anytime before then but i mean the sooner the better because the more planning you get and I'm, you know, constantly sending out messages to the team leaders of Mm -hmm. advice, like looking at the paperwork beforehand and filling out stuff um, and tips and information. So that's all, you know, slowly trickling out to the teams Mm -hmm. as we gear up. But, you know, it's uh, I mean, we're July now, so it's just a few (laughs) weeks away. Yeah. But then the screenings will be the following week, the first Saturday in August at the Bijou Theater in Bridgeport. Oh, very cool. And then awards night after the judges have made their selections, I'll screen 10 to 12 of the films again Mm -hmm. and hand out all the awards. And that will be the last Saturday of August, also at the Bijou in Bridgeport.
0: And you said someone can go on and, you know, one person can sign up for the team, but if someone's not necessarily, uh, you know, a team leader or, you know, a filmmaker themselves, but they're interested in maybe participating, like helping with crew or Mm -hmm. being an actor, could they just show up at the kickoff event, or how how would they maybe best they could show get up at,
2: at
3: any of the pre you know preview events? So we mm-hmm. have uh, best video on July sixth
2: mm-hmm.
3: tomorrow, and um, we also will be uh, a last minute tips night on July twenty sixth. That'll be at ETV. But a great way is to just um, email me. My email for the forty eight is on the website. Okay. Um, or go to us on the the, the New Haven 48 Facebook page mm-hmm. because there's a group, and I encourage people to put up their headshot, say, Hey, I'm available this weekend. Okay. Or I know audio. Like, so, but if you email me, like, if you can't get in, you know, if you're looking for the best way, I can get you onto the page and kind of so steer okay. you towards a team that, like, I know this looking team's for looking for some that.
0: Some crew, someone crew that's looking for a team, they can yeah. all get together on social. That's great. This is for both of you, but we'll start with you, Jonathan. Uh, we always like to end on a positive note. How are you feeling about the, the future of the film industry in Connecticut? Are you feeling optimistic? And what would you like to see happen?
1: Oh, heck yeah. I, I'm telling you, I, I, I got chill bumps as you were just saying, what's the positive thing? I have gotten an enormous amount of responses from outside the state and inside the state of how people are actually excited. There are people mm-hmm. that you know, budget all over the place, but for some reason they just kind of fly over Connecticut and Mm -hmm. they're starting to pay attention to us. And then additionally, I'm excited about these lawmakers, you know, having, you know, the finance committee, the commerce committee, having some of these people really pay attention to how important the Mm -hmm. arts are, but how important what we're doing. And then thirdly is seeing everyone come together on the Alliance. it, It is, it was so heartfelt, just awesome where people were like, oh, I didn't know you were in, you know, here. I didn't know you were there. And Gosh, let's exchange numbers. It's just, it's kind of cool to see. And, and you know, seeing that is is great. And I think we have a, a huge opportunity in the next coming years to really build this up in all kinds of ways.
0: Great. And Trish, where do you see the future of film in Connecticut?
3: Uh, you know, I mean, I like what I'm seeing happening because I've seen so many people try to get the, our creative community together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's happening. It takes time, especially with the laws. So it's great to see that we're getting there, you know, Mm -hmm. piece by piece, step by step. But I think it's great to foster this creative community, to keep everybody filming, to keep reminding people that yes, you can see a farm here, you can see, you know, the courthouse. You can see it all seasons in Connecticut. Like yeah. we have every location that you can think of. And we are this lovely little nugget between Boston and New York. Like we should be getting all these productions. Yeah. And I don't want our cast and crew to have to leave. I want them to stay here, you know, in the nutmeg state that we yeah. you know, we love so much. That's why we try to support it. But I think the more we can get, you know, everyone involved, everyone on the same page to make this a better, you know, more creative, more supportive community for for everyone to stay here and to keep making productions.
0: Well, great. Thank you so much, both of you for speaking with us today. Jonathan Black with Chair 10 and Trish Clark with the 48 Hour Film Project New Haven. Thanks for speaking with us today and keep up the good work.
1: Thanks, Matt. Thank Thank you for having us.
0: We'd like to thank our guests, Patricia Clark and Jonathan Black. We'd like to thank our sponsors at Gateway Community College and Housatonic Community College. Learn more at gatewayct.edu and housatonic.edu. The Municipal Voice is a co-production by CCM and WNHH, 103.5 FM. Kevin Maloney is our executive producer. Christopher Gilson is our producer. Harry Draws is on the boards. And I'm Matt Ford, your host. Be sure to check out our Facebook page and give us a like. And watch out for our CCM chat series on our YouTube page.